You were listening to the By His Grace podcast. I'm your host, Misty Phillip. There's revival and it's spreading. Okay, I'm not going to sing to y'all, but I thought that was the perfect way to talk about the revival that is happening. Many of you know that revival has broken out on the campus of Asbury University and spontaneously in other places like Times Square. What you may not have heard is that a demon was cast out of a woman who was attending the revival at Asbury. It is my understanding that that as believers, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit and we cannot be possessed by a demon, but that there are spiritual forces at work against us in this world. I know that spiritual warfare is real. In Acts 2, 17, in the ESV, it says, in the last days, it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. As our world continues to grow darker each day, we are also seeing a move of God like we have not seen in years. Some are even claiming that this could be the beginning of the third great awakening. Last week, I had the opportunity to preview the movie, Come Out in Jesus' Name, and to interview Pastor Greg Locke, who was also seeing a revival within his congregation. Now, as a Baptist girl, casting out demons is not something that I'm accustomed to seeing on a Sunday morning. However, I am a student of the Word, and as I read throughout the Gospels, Jesus talks about miraculous healings and casting out demons in several places. Now, I am praying for spiritual discernment on what all this needs, but I'm also praying that revival and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit will continue to sweep across our nation. Now, please welcome Pastor Greg Locke to the By His Grace podcast. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. Greg Locke, welcome to the By His Grace podcast. I am so excited to have you here with me today. I'm honored to be on the show. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So I discovered you during the pandemic. We, our pastor had left and we, we had our executive pastor stepped into the position. And I knew from the moment that COVID started that it was a battle of faith over fear. God told me from the minute that it happened. And I was longing for more because I didn't, our church wasn't really addressing it. And that's when I stumbled upon you and some of the things that you were doing. And I just want to just start 
start this episode by saying thank you for your boldness in the Lord, because we're living in a day and an hour where evil is in our face. It's just in our face. And we all need to be doing our part for the kingdom of God. So I thought we're going to talk about a movie that you have coming out very soon. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But before we do that, I want to kind of hear your backstory. And I want to tell you that some of what we might talk about might be a little uncomfortable for me because I am a Baptist girl. I'm a Baptist girl through and through, but I love the way the Lord reveals things to us because he doesn't give us the whole message of scripture at one time. It's layer upon layer upon layer. And so the the Lord has opened my eyes to the working of the Holy Spirit, which is part of the Trinity, but Baptist we don't we don't really talk about that much. So that's that's my spiel. Now I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell me about your background and what's going on with you. You know, I was actually saved at an independent Baptist children's home, 1992, in a Baptist church. I traveled as a Baptist evangelist, very just strictly independent, fundamental Baptist for many, many years. Went to a Baptist college and seminary, even did my master's work at a Baptist theological seminary, and then pastored what I started as a Baptist church for a number of years. And so, I still have a lot of Baptistic friends. I still do meetings and crusades and revival conferences in some Baptist churches. But the interesting thing is we're a Bible church now. We did change the name of our church. But the Lord just began to really download some things that weren't very Baptistic, if you will. Very evangelical, very fundamental, very you know New Testament and scriptural. And so a lot of my Baptist friends had trouble with that. But what I'm finding now is many of them are starting to reach out saying, you know what? What you're talking about is not so charismaniac. What you're talking about is not so outlandish and and feverish, if you will. We're beginning to see people in our church that are under demonic attack, that are under spiritual warfare, and we don't know what to do with them. Will you help us? And so it's almost like the Lord is allowing me by His grace to be kind of a conduit, a bridge into the Baptist community to kind of bridge that gap a little bit into the supernatural. Because I tell our people, look, The Trinity is not Father, Son, Holy Scriptures. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the Scriptures don't make sense without the Holy Spirit. So we can't minimize the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Godhead. And so it's been a it's been a real difficult journey for me in a lot of ways because I had to shed some of the old wineskins, meet some new friends, maybe walk away, as it were, from some old relationships. But now God is beginning to bring those back around, if that makes sense. And so really, it's been a beautiful transition into more of the five-fold ministry and more of what we call deliverance ministry. And so I know we're going to talk a little bit about that, but it's been an interesting journey because I was Baptist born, Baptist bred. When I died, I was going to be Baptist dead. And so I understand (laughs) the conundrum with people denominationally. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's actually one of the biggest problems that I think we have in the church today is our denominations, because we end up, you know, arguing about things instead of fighting the evil that is present in this world. You know, I wanted to ask you, like there's, I posted something on Facebook the other day because my heart was just grieved. We have all of these things. I feel like this onslaught of attack. So I didn't watch the Grammys, but I saw read repercussions of what happened there. At the same time, I read a headline about the satanic abortion facility in New Mexico. And then 
now they're Satan con. So the enemy, I feel like, was behind closed doors, you know, like evil existed. We like it's always this is the battle of the ages. It started in the garden. It's always been here. But we also know that when the enemy's time is short, that it's going to ramp up. So I feel like so many things that are happening now are not they're not hidden. The enemy is just out front with it. And so I would love for you to, to speak to that for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Bible says in the last days, perilous times shall come. It is going to ramp up. As you said, it's going to accentuate. And the reason spiritual warfare and all of this, you know, overt in your face Satanism is going to accentuate is because, you know, in Revelation 12, the Bible says that the devil has come down onto the earth, having great wrath, knowing that he has but a short time. So really at this point, he has nothing to lose. So he's going to ramp up as quickly as he possibly can. And so for a while, witchcraft was kind of repackaged behind the scenes in the darkness. Children's entertainment started interspersing it all over the place. And then now the devil is like, you know what? I'm going to get as in your face as I possibly can, reach as many disciples for darkness as I possibly can, because he knows he's going to lose. He knows he's going to hell. He knows we're in the last days. And because of that, he's like, look, I have nothing to lose. So let's just ramp this thing up, come out of the closet, as it were, and be as crazy as I possibly can. And that's exactly what's happening. And what the problem is, is churches are fighting each other while the devil is literally gaining ground through the kingdom of darkness. And we should turn our weapons of warfare, not on each other, but on the enemy, on demons, on the satanic oppression and the attacks of the enemy that are coming against the church. Because at an alarming rate, witchcraft has infiltrated the church. There are a lot of pastors that call themselves preachers in the evangelical world that are nothing more than voodoo witch doctors. There is no doubt about it. And they are using a spirit of divination to absolutely ruin and deceive the masses. Yeah, I was reading a study, and I think it was maybe a Barna study, that even only 10% of people who are in church today have a biblical worldview. I mean, that is astonishing to me. How can someone sit in a church for 20 years? One of the things that I tell people all the time is you have to be in the word. You have to know the word because that you're you're not going to be able to tell deception if you don't know what the word says. So I wrote a Bible study called The Struggle is Real, But So Is God. And it's all about overcoming the struggles of life. Starts in Genesis, ends in Revelation with the promises to overcomers. And God put that on my heart to come out before 2020. I launched it in 2019. And God knew the whole world would be in a struggle then, right? And I love the way you stood up to the world, you know, and just said, no, we're not going to close the church. That's not what, like, we have a call. And the, and the Hebrew says, all the more as we see the day drawing near that it's important for us to gather together. So once you talk a little bit about that, and then we're going to, we're going to go into the kind of how that led into what you're doing now. Absolutely. You know, we really did take a lot of black eyes, a lot of hits when it came to the whole COVID debacle, because it's just against my nature to compromise on things like that. I figure when I read the Bible, if the local church is the pillar and ground of the truth, and if Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail, then a pandemic's not going to prevail against the church. And so it's interesting because in that transition is when I was really breaking free, I guess, of, of some of my Baptistic beliefs, and I was getting a little bit more spirit-filled understanding of the scriptures. But then I was immediately thrust into 
a world of charismatics that didn't even believe what they'd been teaching all of these years. Because God's not giving us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So all the churches that taught faith, all the churches that taught, you know, God's going to protect us and healing and miracle signs and wonders, they weren't doing any of it. They weren't laying hands on anybody. They were closing their churches. Everybody was masked up six feet apart. And so I was sorely disappointed and how the church received this great deception to the world. And so when a guy like me gets up and says, wait a minute, we're not closing our church. I look like some kind of, you know, rebellious redneck renegade that dug his heels in and we're going to kill everybody in Nashville. When the facts are the facts, we've never killed anybody, but we have brought so much life to this community. And I kept telling pastors, if you will lead, your people will follow. If you will get out front of this and you will absolutely obey the word of God, people will follow you from around the world. And what happened is we moved out of a 300 seat wedding chapel to now three years later, we're in a 3000 seat tent because we've had that much massive growth. 7,200 people have gone through our horse trough, a baptismal tank in a tent because people are looking for hungry, bold leadership. They want somebody that's as hungry as they are. They want somebody that's, that has a, an ability to say what they want to say. So for a while, I think I kind of became the voice of people that wanted to say something, but they were afraid of cancel culture. They were afraid they weren't going to be invited back to Thanksgiving dinner. And so they're like, oh, well, I'm just going to let this be my pastor. I'm going to watch him online. Let him say what I'm thinking. And so sometimes it would come out very demonstrative. Sometimes uh, maybe my voice was a little bit more abrasive than it should have been, but we really did have a faith-filled point to prove during that time. And that point was, look, the local church cannot be forsaken. Why in the world would we close down? Because now we know just how easily, not just the world, now we know how easily the church is going to accept the Antichrist beast system one day when it comes upon us. Absolutely. I mean, bars and, you know, Bars were open and liquor stores, yet churches and gyms were closed. You know, it just didn't make any sense. But you're absolutely right. I think out of convenience, people fell for the deception because they want to go to Disneyland and they want to hop on a plane and they want to do all these things. But if you're in the Word of God, I think that between the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, you will not be fooled at whatever the enemy has planned for us in the future. Now, you, you mentioned the baptismal, and I want to talk about what happened when you had that little girl in in your baptismal with her grandma and kind of how that was a catalyst to kind of open your eyes. Yeah. You know, we had been kind of secretly, if you will, studying deliverance and uh, demonic activity. You know, I've heard of exorcisms or deliverance ministry, but I, I jokingly tell people, and maybe not so jokingly, deliverance to me was like a Burt Reynolds movie back in the 70s, right? I had no idea what it meant to cast out demons in the name of Jesus. I'd heard about it. Even in my Baptistic days, you know, I would say, demons still flee at the name of Jesus, and everybody in the conference would say, amen. But what would we, we do if one of them actually flared up and started fleeing, right? I didn't have the tools. So we were doing baptisms, and even though we've done 7,200 of them in the last few years, my wife and I have determined and committed that we will do all of them personally. I could give it off to staff and pastoral staff and things, but it's, there's just something about that touch, right? I wanted to be available for that. And so long story short, we were baptizing uh, in August, uh, I guess a year and a half ago now, and a young lady was brought into the baptismal pool by her grandmother. And I wasn't really paying attention. I turned around and there they were. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh, we got a two for one deal. You know, I've never done this before. I've baptized thousands of people, but never have I dipped two people at one time. And so in my 
in my mind, in my denominational upbringing, I want to be like, let's put her to the side. We'll do that in a minute. Let's make sure she understands. But something just said, no, just go for it. Don't, don't embarrass this lady on the live stream. So I grabbed both of them and I began to put the grandmother into the water and the young lady, her eyes were just, they were just so dark and she just began to hiss and growl and, and just get angry. And then finally, when I got him up out of the water, she stood up and she's putting her hands out at us, you know, and it's like, like claws in my face. And here I am looking at this eight year old girl in a baptismal pool and she seemed 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And I was afraid of her. And I'm like, what in the world? But I dismissed it. That was my coping mechanism. I'm like, okay, get them out of the pool, get them out of the pool, get somebody else in here. I went immediately to the next one, then the next one, and the next one. And my wife was wrecked. And she's like, absolutely not. I got to go find this grandmother and this little kid. So she gives somebody the microphone to hold for me. She runs around the tent, never finds them. But it was of God that she did it because that started a journey for us, especially that night. We wept. We cried before the Lord. We read every book we could get our hands on, watch YouTube videos, you know, tried to sneak off to, to conferences and training sessions so we could learn and understand is deliverance for this generation? Is it really, as Jesus said, the children's bread? And so it was during a time of revival in our church that God came with round two and sent revival in the midst of revival. We didn't need a bigger crowd. You know, we, we didn't need more influence, but God said, you know what? You've stewarded that well. So now we're going to the next level. And now deliverance has broken out in such an unbelievable way at our church. It's become a global phenomenon and God's let us somehow, some way be tip of the spear. And we are training hundreds and reaching tens of thousands every single week at our church, the deliverance ministry. That's amazing. And you do a deliverance service every Sunday evening. Is that correct? Every Sunday night at six o'clock, we do what we call group deliverance or mass deliverance, kind of wind worldly style, who was a Baptist preacher in Indiana before he went to heaven. And we had to do mass deliverance because of the the, just the, the hunger in people, we could not keep up with 15 and 18 hour days. We were literally having church services go from 1030 Sunday morning to 230 Monday morning. And that's how many people were coming. And we just didn't have the team. We didn't have the spiritual bandwidth to be able to handle that. So I said, let's do mass deliverance. And so last night, actually, before we record this was our 52nd straight Sunday night at six o'clock where hundreds of people are showing up for mass deliverance. And you would think by now, that we would have run through everybody that's watched us, but the crowds are only intensifying. They're only getting bigger. They're not getting smaller. Yeah, that's incredible. Now, I did watch your church service yesterday because I was trying to prepare for the interview. And one of the things you mentioned is what's happening at Asbury College. And so I find that we're in this really interesting place on the kingdom calendar where we have deception and UFOs flying around in the sky. And at the same time, revival is breaking out in the youth. And so I see what what is happening with you as, as a reform, a, a form of revival. Revival as well. One of the things I noticed about your church service that um, I hadn't seen in the past was you spent the whole first part of the service just in the word. People are on their faces, people seeking God just in his presence. And I just I think that what you're doing also is, is part of a revival that the American church needs. Yes. Oh, absolutely. It needs and it needs to be a revival of the word of God. You know, people think that I'm some kind of individual that's extra biblical. No, if it's not biblical, I don't want anything to do with it. And without the Bible, there is no genuine revival. That's why so many people are led astray. That's why there's so much deception. 
And there are pockets of it all over America and around the world. I don't even know where all of them are, but I'm telling you, Asbury is a hot spot right now. Matter of fact, this afternoon after this show is recorded, I'm, I'm actually going to Asbury with some folks and just going to sit in the glory for a couple of hours, just kind of see what God's doing, because I want to learn. I want to experience what God's doing in other landscapes, in other places as well. And the word has been the very thing that has accentuated the revival that we're experiencing. I have a dear friend, Dr. Harrison in Louisiana. He's actually a pastor in Tennessee every week. He travels back and forth from Louisiana because they've been in a tent meeting for 22 straight weeks. And I mean, it is unbelievable. And he is as Baptist as they get, but deliverance and healing is beginning to break out. All these churches are coming together. His tent will seat a couple thousand people. It's full every single night in the dead of winter. And it's just been unusual, but yet a blessing to see what God's doing with people that are just hungry for a real authentic move of the Holy Spirit, not hokey, crazy, spooky mess, not Hollywood stuff, holy word stuff. And the Bible says in the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And I just, I want to be a part of it. Amen. Me too. So let's, let's shift the conversation to, to your movie that is coming out March. What's the date? Mm -hmm. March what? 13th, March 13th, 14th? Monday, March 13th. Yeah, March mm -hmm. 13th. And, and the name of it is Come Out in Jesus' Name. So tell me a little bit about the film. Yeah, it's all about deliverance ministry and not just our deliverance ministry, but it does really help bridge the gap. There's a the good arc there on, you know, here's how I was saved. Here's how the Lord brought me into what he did. Because I don't demonize my past denomination. I thank God that the Baptist Church put a lot of doctrine in me, gave me a great hunger to want to know the Bible, gave me my militancy, you know, my fundamental stand that I have. And so it served me well, even to this day. And so it kind of shows my transition. And then it moves into my wife and I seeing the young lady manifest a demon in the baptistry of a cat and how that kind of kind of freaked us out. We didn't know what to do. And then the movie kind of goes on the journey of how we got in deliverance ministry and then how the Lord interconnected us with all of the other for lack of better terminology, well-known or famous deliverance ministries and ministers that are out there. And then it just goes into the revival that we're experiencing in our church. And then an understanding that deliverance really is the children's bread. God's people can be saved and full of the Holy Spirit, but still be afflicted by sickness, still be afflicted by nightmares and addiction and demonic activity in their home and with their children. And I want people to understand that it is theologically based in the foundation of the Bible. So even cessationists, even people that believe the gift cease and that deliverance is ridiculous, they're going to have a hard time defending that position because it's full of scripture from beginning to end. A solid 90-minute documentary as well made of anything Hollywood's ever put out. And people are going to walk away saying, okay, either the Bible is wrong or my upbringing is wrong. So I've got to figure out how to be able to merge these two because deliverance is the last day's revival. If you look, and I'm a revival historian, I've written two books on revival, did my master's thesis on revival. And so I love the facts and figures. What every single revival in the past has missed is the elements of deliverance. There's been prophetic revivals, generosity revivals, church growth revivals. There's been healing revivals. Uh, theological revivals, every type of revival you can imagine, even ridiculous ones that weren't real revival, but there's never been a deliverance revival. And I believe this is the last day's revival where God's going to use deliverance to open Pandora's box as it will to the hearts and minds of God's people that they realize, you know what? We really do have authority in the name of Jesus to overcome demonic entities, to overcome demonic affliction and to see people set free. And so that's in a nutshell what the movie's about. And man, we are 
Wow, we are super excited. I never imagined that we would be even on a streaming platform, much less in movie theaters all over America. So I'm praying God uses it as a mighty continuation of this revival movement. Absolutely. That's kind of what I was going to ask you next is what is your hope for, you know, because this 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 movie is going to be played in like 2000 theaters around the country. And I was listening to the podcast that you did with a couple of the guys who are in the movie. And he was like, we're going to be praying for people on the spot. So what is your (laughs) what is your hope for for what what's next? Well, you know, we will be doing at the end of the credit scene, we will be doing an actual mass deliverance that night, which is live. And so, you know, I'll get to see a premiere 10 or 12 days before with a lot of folks that'll come in for kind of the red carpet event and the revealing. But then on that day, on the 13th, I'll be under the tent with basically just a a satellite crew. And so when the, when the thing fades black and the credits roll, I'll jump on live for 30 minutes and fathom, I mean, we're talking about a secular organization is going to let me do an actual mass deliverance. I'll give a gospel limitation first, and then I'll get an actual mass deliverance call to be set free from demonic spirits, from evil spirits. And so it's going to be powerful. So we don't know what to expect because we could have never expected that we would be this far in, that this many people would get behind the movement, much less the movie. Because, you know, if you think about it, Fathom said that this is the first time there's kind of a golden number of tickets that they want sold by the week of the release. And God allowed us to reach the golden ticket number in six days with still a month before the release. And so they underestimated the hunger for a strange subject, right? For this strange material, you know, is anybody really going to care anything about exorcism, you know, and demons and, you know, deliverance ministry, but apparently they do because people are hungry for it. So I'm praying it will just, it'll open people's minds and say, if nothing else, Let me study the Bible for myself. Let me take off any, it doesn't matter which one, let me take off any denominational lens, look into the Bible and say, Holy Spirit, teach me the ministry of Jesus. Because there is nothing other than preach the gospel that Jesus did more than cast out evil spirits. It's a third of his ministry. Yeah, when I was preparing for the interview, I looked up all of the places, and it's all over the Gospels um, and other places as well. But there, I don't even, there were countless scriptures that had to do with casting out demons. And like I said, a little, little strange for this Baptist girl. But at the same time, I know that the moment that I stepped into ministry to write The, the Struggle is Real, that the attacks came on me. They came on my family. They came so, so much that my husband and I just looked at each other one day, and we just start laughing. We're like, what else is he going to do? Because we know what this is. And that's when we got really serious about using the word of God, because he says that is our only defensive weapon. Every other spiritual weapon that we have is offensive. So we put on the the helmet of salvation and all the other pieces uh, of of our armor, but we got to have that word. And the Holy Spirit is the one that is within us that helps us to discern and to understand the word of God. And so... I am just really excited about what the Lord is doing with you and this movie. And I just pray that people, even if they are like me and they're like, they're not sure that they would check it out, that they would bring a friend, bring a lost friend, say, let's go check out this. Let's go check out this thing that they're doing. And we're just going to pray that the power of the Holy Spirit just moves in mighty ways for our country and and the world. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And it it is it's gospel supercharged. You bring a lost person, I'm telling you, they will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ clearly and plainly. And then from there, they'll understand we really do have authority and we really can take that authority in the name of Jesus. 
Amen, brother. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. We'll put all of the information in the show notes so people can find you if they don't know you, if they've been living under a rock. We will (laughs) give them the information for the movie and the theaters and, and all the places that they can find it. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. God bless you. Thank you for joining me today on By His Grace. I hope you've enjoyed listening and are encouraged by our guest today. I would love for you to visit my blog, mistyphilip.com, for more encouragement. You can find me on social media as Misty Philip, and I would love to connect with you there. Oh, 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 oh,